So for those of you that don't know me, I'm Sherry Oxendale, and I'm the pastor of discipleship and care ministry. And you may be wondering, why is she holding a pretzel? <laughs> well, earlier this week, my husband and I had an experiment going at my house. He's an engineer, so it was very scientific. We divided these pretzels into one-inch segments, and then we placed salt crystals varying in amounts across our selection. And then we tasted each one of them and scored how they tasted. We did cleanse our palate in between. So we could determine just how much was the right amount of salt to put on this pretzel. Why? Because these pretzels are going to be served today at the event Fall Into Fun. Do you get the connection? Into Fun. And our sermon series is we're in. There's a connection. Okay. Be <laughs> Beyond that, what our conclusion, what we came to is the conclusion that if there was no salt on it at all, it just tasted like a glob of dough. But if there was too much salt, in my husband's words, it tasted like a cowlick. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what a cowlick is or you're thinking that's when your hair stands up strange, it's actually a block of salt that you put out for livestock to encourage healthy growth and development of your livestock, and I think my husband grew up on a farm, so I think that that was just a rite of passage. Every farm kid has to go out and lick the, lick the cow lick. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I heard a yes, ma'am. And if you were a townie when you went to visit, you had to do that too. So, or at least that's what my cousin said. So two weeks ago, we started a sermon series um, titled In, right? I'm in. And today's scripture is about the topic of salt, thus the pretzel, and light. So there is a connection. I might be reaching, but it's there. Um, so many of you have probably heard you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the, of the world. I mean, that's Christian language right there. I know that I've even prayed that way, to go and be the salt and the light. But what does it really mean to us? What does it mean to be the salt that um, changes the nature of the world? or the light that shines forth. So two weeks ago when we started this sermon series of I'm in, and it's in to fueling the ministries of this church, we first looked at how every sacrificial gift is invaluable. And to accomplish the mission of the church, we, talked to, we um, know that every single person in this church is invaluable. Everyone can make a significant contribution. And to accomplish the mission of the church. Last week, we actually looked at, we went past the invaluable and looked at what it looks like to be invested in the ministries of the church. And today, we're going to be focusing on being influential as a church. So our scripture today is taken from what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Jesus. He was on a mountain in Capernaum, and just a number of people started gathering. And Jesus saw the people and he had compassion and he sat down and he began to, to preach. He began to give them the word. And that sermon is recorded in both the books of Matthew and Luke. In Matthew, it takes up three whole chapters. It takes up chapter five, six, and seven. Today, we're only looking at four verses, but I would strongly encourage you to take the time to, to go into the Bible and read those chapters. It's fast reading. It sounds like, oh, big chapters, but it's really not. If you have a red letter Bible, it's all in red. It's Jesus. It's Jesus speaking. So check it out. So the first two verses of today's scripture are taken from Matthew, and it reads, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus didn't say that he was the salt and the light of the world. He said that you were the salt and the light of the world. At least in this verse, that's what it says. And actually, it's really not just you individually. It translates in the plural. English language has some hiccups when we translate between the Greek. And it says, we all are the salt and the light. He's talking about the church. He's talking about community. The church is supposed to be the salt and the light. And Jesus uses the images of salt and light to explain how Christians should interact with the world. And it's interesting that each of these elements, salt and light, have two requirements to actually make an impact or a difference. To make a difference, salt and light need to, number one, be different from the substance they're interacting with. And number two, be a change agent within the substance. So when that substance is within what it's supposed to be reacting with, it should make a difference. It should have an impact. So have the Christians in our world become so much like the world that we're not able to make an impact? Are Christians so separated from the world that it's impossible for them to make a difference? We can't be a change agent if we don't interact with the world. The images of salt and light are an analogy to what the church's influence should be. What the church's influence should be in the world. We are called, and it's Jesus that's calling us to be the salt and the light. Now, with these images of salt and light, Jesus gives a caveat or a warning or a caution. In Matthew, well, I'm going to reread a little bit of it. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So let's bring those statements a little closer to home. Are we, the, peoples of, the people of First United Methodist Church of Kearney, Missouri, enough different to make a difference in our community, in the Kansas City metro area, in the world? Is our church, our people, embedded in the community, in the world? like a city embedded on a hill with lights shining brightly, being a change agent and making a difference. The United Methodist mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Are we being influential and pointing people to Jesus? Are we pointing people to a way to live that points to loving God with all our hearts, our soul, our strength and our mind and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves? Most of us like to be influential. We love to be heard. We love to know that what we do is making an impact. As Christians, we're called to influence and make an impact in the world for Jesus. You know, some say that the longer a person is a Christian, the less likely they are to bring other people to God. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be the stronger Christian you are, the more rooted you are in faith, that your light shines brighter. 
But I think what happens is that we get so comfortable in our Christian circles, it's so much easier to be with people that agree with us and do what we do and talk like we do and say what we do and have the same values that we do, that that's where we stay. I'm not saying that we don't want to be in community with each other. We do. We need that. But those people that are further from God need us more. As a Christian community, our ultimate function is to be embedded in the world so we can influence the world for Jesus. Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13, Jesus says, it's not healthy, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Then later in Matthew, Jesus says this to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few, laborers. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So if we obey Jesus' command, he's telling us that we are to go out and we are to pray that more Christians go out into the community, into the world. That doesn't mean that we sit home and pray only for our other people to do that. We also pray for ourselves. We ask God, what are you calling me to do? How am I supposed to make a difference? How am I supposed to be the salt and the light? Our world is in desperate need of God's goodness and grace. Many Christians don't know exactly how they can be influential for Christ. They don't know how to be salt and light. It seems really scary. It's like, well, I don't have the presence to stand up and preach, or I don't, I don't have the resources or even the desire to go to a distant land. But, and, and so people think that, okay, mission work, those who are called to be missionaries, those are the people that are supposed to, go, supposed to do be the light and do those things. But Jesus, being influential for Jesus isn't just accomplished by traveling away on mission trips. In fact, there are some who are called to distant lands. But most of us are just called to stop being distant. How tempting and alluring it is to be self-sufficient and to pride ourselves on it. Self-sufficient so you don't need anyone and no one needs you. What a great place to be. But that's not how we're called to live. Christ's mission calls us to do these things in everyday life. Every moment and every day, we need to make four strategic choices as individuals and also corporately as a church. Number one, we need to choose compassion over ambivalence. The essence of compassion is the golden rule, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If I were walking in someone else's shoes, what would that person most need? Not want, but need. What would that person most need? The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount starts with Jesus and he saw the people. He saw the crowds. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And he responded, with what they needed. He fed them his word. Number two, choose connection over transition. There are two types of people in this world. There's more than that, but for this purpose, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that are interested, there are people that are relational, and then there are people that are transactional. 
The people that are relational are people that, are, that see you and they wanna have a relationship. They care about you. The people that are transactional, they interact with you because they want something from you or you want something from them. So think of the checkout lane when you go to the local grocery store. When you're going through the checkout out, do you see the person that's serving you? Do you make eye contact? Or are you more concerned about the text that just came across your phone? And if you're the person that's checking people out, do you see the people that you're serving? Do you make eye contact? Or are you more concerned about how many minutes it is until your shift ends? We need to see people. See, see your neighbor. See the person that's working next to you. See the person next to you or behind you or in front of you that's sitting right here in this church. See your grandparents, your parents, your spouse. See your children as people that you want a relationship with. Number three, choose curiosity over incivility. A lot of Christians have a hard time not being judgmental, and I think that's the human race. For instance, it's inevitable if we become connected with those that are far from God, we're going to be connected to people that don't have the same values we have, don't live the same way we do, don't, don't have the same language we do, all of those things. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office here in church and, and heard words drop that I never hear. But that's because we interact with people that that are different than us. And that's okay, that's what we're called to do. There, we do kind of need to talk a little bit about being judgmental. And so let's talk about that. There's absolutely no question that we're called to, to, to judge, to discern, or to test all things. Colossians 3.5 reads this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So how do we put to death those things without discerning or judging what is immoral or impure? What is crossing the line from being a discerning Christian to a judgmental Christian? Well, there's a huge difference between making an observation and then leaping to a conclusion. So most of us are pretty quick to leap to conclusions. Actually, our society is pretty quick to leap to conclusions these days. It seems like there is so little grace given. What would it look like if we swapped incivility with curiosity? What if we asked far more questions and made far, and made far less accusations? What if we swapped talking points, thinking about what I need to say, with questions? and then listening to the answer. Instead of making assumptions and assigning opinions, what if we asked, what do you think? What do you believe? Why is that important to you? Without the sarcasm, I know that I just did that. <laughs> Why is that important to you? Help me to understand. Have you ever considered we need less dialogues we need more dialogues and less monologues. More listening, less shouting, more humility, less posturing. A posture of curiosity communicates value. It says, tell me your story. Give me some context. Curiosity respects the other person's journey, their trials, their temptations, their struggles. 
And we don't have to agree with somebody's lifestyle or what they tell us to be curious, but we do need to be sincere, sincere in knowing that we care. This person is a child of God just like we are. Number four, choose calling over cowardness. The most important thing in our relationships is, isn't whether we're loved or liked, it's whether we are honoring God. At the end of the day, what people are really going, what we're really trying to say to people is, follow my example as I follow Christ. Courage doesn't mean we go out looking for trouble. It doesn't mean that we're, um, we, we're not thoughtful about the positions we put ourselves in, but it does mean that we're able to step out of our comfort zones. It means that we make a sacrifice. What influence could we, all of us, all three services and the people that are at home watching online, what influence could we make if we all became more concerned about pleasing Christ than pleasing ourselves or pleasing the person next to us? In this series I'm in, it's all about how we function together to be the salt and the light of the world. How each of us is invaluable because we have a role to play. How together we're called to be invested because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And finally, how we can be influential in our world by being what God is calling us to be. Each week during offering, if you notice, there's always a story about the influence that your investment has made. We're aware of the investment, we're aware of the influence our church has made on an individual basis in our community, in the Kansas City area, and in Haiti. Um, last month was called September Serve, and there was eight local ministries that were um, influenced because of your generosity. When we stock, talk about our generosity, there's other things that are happening too. Currently, there are over 100 people taking part in small groups because of your generosity. There are over 100 children and youth that are served weekly through Joyful Noise Preschool, First Kids, and Impact because of your generosity. In the past five years, there have been 88 individuals baptized and brought into God's family because of your generosity. We've talked about our relationship with Haiti and how it's connectional. Connections that have been maintained even through COVID and the unrest that has plagued the nation of Haiti. Here's a couple pictures of some of the outreach team talking to Adam, who, who is the program director for Love Haiti or Partners in Education. Also shows one of the students, so cute up there. And our church has stayed in contact with Adam via WhatsApp, which is an app that makes international calls free. And some of the outreach team has been able to talk to the students through through Zoom. Just last week, Adam mentioned that a portion of what our church receives is paid to the district and also to our conference in a, and he used the term apportionments. It's like our tithe, our church's tithe to the bigger church. And so when all Methodist churches recognize that they are invaluable and need to be invested, the influence of the United, Methodist, United Methodism multiplies. We are a global church and we have a global impact. In September, the media showed images of the U.S. Custom Border and Protection Officers on horseback. And they were deterring the entrance to the United States with, with the horse reins and ropes and all those that were trying to cross the Rio Grande River into Mexico. It, within those people, there were a number of Haitians that were seeking asylum in the United States. 
and they're struggling. Haiti is a country that is struggling to recover from a devastating earthquake. In fact, they're still trying to recover from the earthquake that went before that, a tropical storm and a presidential assassination. And watching these scenes play out on the news gave me at least a helpless, a feeling of helplessness. That's so far from what anything I can impact. And I think because of our relationship with Haiti, when we saw those Haitians at the border and we heard what was happening, some of us saw these Haitians as people and we had compassion. I know the United Methodist Church globally did. The United Methodist Committee on Relief, which is called UMCOR, um, which is part of the global ministries um, of the Methodist Church, made a public statement against this treatment. And they didn't stop with just words, they went beyond that. What they did is they put together United Methodists across the nation and asked them to go with them down to the border. And our outreach coordinator, Debbie Bazard, was one of those people that were to go down to the border. And what they were going, doing is an exploratory trip to give insight and reference to talk about the immigration issues. So while Debbie was down there, she sent me a text this, that had this picture. She also posted it on Facebook. I'm always happy that she um, sends me a text, if they have it. I'm always happy she sends me a text because I don't always get on Facebook. Um, the caption she put on her text to me was, view of El Paso, U.S., and Yarez, Mexico, borders dissolved, 2021. And I thought about, you know what God sees when he looks down on this earth? He doesn't see the imaginary lines that we put. He sees his children. And because when I saw this text in the light, I couldn't help but connect the light from this city to our scripture. And I recognize that the city is nowhere, is not on a hill, but there are Christians there. There's United Methodist Christians there trying to be the light of the world. And I thought about the influence that, if any, those Christian relationships actually have on the Haitian people and their nation. Some may be keeping up with the kidnapping um, of the Ohio-based missionary groups. There's 17 of them that were kidnapped by a violent gang in Haiti. And I think if we watch the news and we base our assumptions, we assign assumptions to what's happening, it may be easy to think that, well, it's just violent over there. There's no rule. It's horrible. It's hopeless. What are those people doing? We could become very judgmental. We can forget that they're in a third world country that they are so poor. We can forget that there are, there are children there, there are people there just like you and me, God's children, that are suffering, that their president's been assassinated, that it's in complete upheaval. We can forget that. But our relationship with Haiti is not transactional. We have a connection. Time posted this picture on Wednesday. The story read this. In a peaceful demonstration north of Port-au-Prince, people walked through the streets demanding release of the missionaries. Some carried signs that read, free the Americans, and no kidnapping. The protesters explained why they cared about these Americans. They said the missionaries helped pay bills and build roads and schools. They do a lot for us. They care about us. This is an example of the influence of being salt and light. 
Each of us is invaluable because we have a role to play. We're called to be invested because together we are greater than the sum of our parts. We're influential in this world by being salt and light. The influence of our, our church is inextricably, inextricably <laughs> tied to how we allow God to work through us. We invest our revenue in what is meaningful. And there's not a set formula that each, one, each family or each individual necessarily follows. And during, you know, consistently, during our lives we all experience various circumstances and that's understood. Some of us are at a point where we give no money to the local church. And you know what, we've all been there. We've all been there at one time. Next, we may give something. And this could be when we hear about a specific need or a special offering we take up. We come to church and give something based on what we have that day. And whatever that is, that represents a sacrifice. To me, moving from some, nothing to something is the biggest step. That's your first step out in faith. Faith that the money that you put in the offering plate, that you give to the church, whether it's online or whatever, is going to do more good here than it will in your pocket. Beyond something, we can grow towards intentional giving. This is where our journey starts to pick up because intentional giving is a spiritual discipline. It's something that we do on a regular basis. There is prayer and thought to put in, put in to what percentage or how much we're going to give. We start at 1% and work our way up. It takes time on this to build, and sometimes it takes many years, maybe decades, to grow to the level of tithing, which is the next step. So tithing is a biblical principle of giving 10% back to God. And the Bible refers to tithing in the, New in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, the first time it's mentioned is in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Then beyond 10%, the mark is called extravagant giving. That's 11% and beyond. And I think that happens when we finally realize that every gift is a good gift from God. And we see how, how God it multiplies that and how that works through other people to help them be able to give. There are commitment cards in the seat backs and there's some by the door. Some of you have been mailed commitment cards. Um, we've had them here for the last few weeks. If you haven't picked one up, I encourage you to do that. You can take it home as a reminder that you are in. You are invested. You are making an influence in the world. If you prefer, you could, you're welcome to put it in the offering plate and, and, and we'll, we'll keep that here. Um, there's also um, not only the Connect card, but there's also online. You, we have online giving, and that's easy to find. Um, just go to the web page. You can see it. It's one of the things right there on the first page. So, you know, me personally, I truly marvel. There, there are a number of times that I truly marvel at what a miracle it is that this church even exists. It's existed for over 150 years because there's been people in this area, in this Carney, Holt, we usually say the whole school district, that have been willing to selflessly give of their finances. They just give it, they donate it. Believing that God will use that money to expand the kingdom, to do good, that the leadership of this, of this community and the ministries will work for good. Think about it. 
You pay for this building, the insurance, the utilities, the groundkeeping, routine maintenance. You pay all the salaries of all the employees. That includes medical for some of us, the taxes that we have to pay, and you pay apportionments to a larger church. And God blesses these gifts and multiplies them through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not us alone. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are influential. With selfless service, we f- hungry people are fed. Foster kids have beds to sleep in. Young parents have access to children's clothing and supplies. When COVID allows, the prisons are visited. Real community is experienced when we have the opportunity to be in fellowship. Like today, that's when we have an opportunity to really talk to people, to get to know our neighbors. And then through worship in small groups, we learn and grow in God's love, increasing our biblical faith. Last verse in our scripture this morning reads, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In our church, each one of you is invaluable. We are invested in Jesus' work. And together with the Holy Spirit, we can be influential in this world. Will you let your light shine? Are you in?